Welcome everyone to Around the ACL. It's Michelle Thompson here with Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione. And we uh, have an exciting episode today because we're going to recap the first Canada Open for this season and also get into the kickoff battle that's coming up this coming weekend in Corpus Christi. We're finally here in the national season as we've been talking. Uh, very much looking forward to getting that started. Uh, but it does feel like it's been a long time coming. So I don't know. Are you guys feeling like amped or are you feeling like it's about time? I don't know. Where where are you at today? Amped. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All amped. It's, yeah. It's, uh, gosh, a number of years and each year has felt different. Like this year for me, I've, I've actually felt the most organized, even though there's more stuff like. Because I, I see it from two different perspectives, right? You guys, I mean, a, a lot of the fans at home just see it from like the start of the season, which is amazing. Like for us, it's kind of like the rolling into the pro season, which both has the event aspect and like the actual competitive cornhole aspect. So like the event side of me is like, all right, I'm ready. Like I feel like we got this in place. We have a, a bigger team. We're like more organized. We, we're more buttoned up. Like let's go hit a home run. And then the the cornhole side of me is just absolutely ecstatic, right? I mean, it's just like, let's go. Like, we've been talking about all these because you can only – we can all have only so many hot takes, right, guys? I mean, yeah, that is like – Exactly. How many times can we predict who's going to win the first national before it actually happens? I may have given more than one answer at this point. I couldn't even tell you. You might have to go back <laughs> yeah. and catch me on that. <laughs> Michelle, has made, Michelle has picked seven different people to win the first national in singles. That covers my grounds. You know, I'm, I know I've said Devin Harbaugh. I may have said other people previously. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> we'll have to find out. Oh, wow. uh, it, I guess what's, what's going to happen. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I was able to catch some of the Canada Open live stream, see some of those players, uh, especially I loved watching women's and Isabella takes it down with an incredible. Yes. Did you see that shot that she did to win it? I mean, Me I think too. she already had it won at that point, but I was just like a little like salt in the wounds. Are you talking about that that and two at, and the, at two. the end? Yeah, yeah. But did you see like how shocked she was that she did it? <laughs> <laughs> Her reaction was the best. Uh, but let's let's dive into that that first open in uh, the Niagara Falls. Uh, USA was the overall champs for that. Like I said, Bella took first in women's over Maddie McBride with an awesome shot to end it out. In seniors, Jay Dotson was the winner. Juniors, Caden Blenkow, which I believe, are you guys familiar with Caden? Is he actually from Canada? Do no. We know? Uh, I don't think he is. I, I don't He's think not? he is because I think he played at the uh, ACL High School National Championship. Wasn't he the national champion? Or, or We've said his name before and I can't place it. Um, but okay. I, I don't recall specifically, but I want to say he's either Michigan or New York. That's just like off of memory. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't think he's international. Okay. Just wanted to check. And Jay Dotson's not right. So I'm just trying to figure out if we had any Canadians open singles. Joe Neistead takes the win over Ben Brown and doubles Mike Ferreira and Jordan power able to take the win. Um, so let's dive into all of that. Uh, Trey, what are your thoughts on the event? Yeah. So, uh, all right. I'm, 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 I'm officially done trying to, uh, you know, put doubt into people's minds about Jordan power. We can, we can lay it to bed. <laughs> he's ready. He's what he was last season. He's gonna, he's gonna be great. He's going to be good to go and can't wait to see him defend that. Uh, 
pro doubles world championship title, right? Um, I think all of us were a little bit nervous for a, a while about whether or not, um, you know, Jordan transitioning to the new bags. It just, you always have that hangover after you win that national championship. It's just, what was going to be the next step for Jordan Power? And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of worry for me, right? And I saw the Jordan Power this weekend that I had been wanting to see leading up to it, uh, leading up to this first national of the year. So he's ready. That doesn't mean he, he wins the whole thing. He could win the whole thing, right? But he's ready, and he's going to be playing at a high level, right? Whether or not somebody beats him while he's like that, 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 that doesn't matter. I'm just seeing the Jordan power that I wanted to see, and that's a big win for him. It's a big win for Mike Ferreira, right? Yes. Kind of the third, first signature victory for him. He's been someone that's gone without – any type of major titles or anything along those lines. And so for him to do it um, up in Canada alongside Jordan Power, I think is 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 great momentum for Mike Ferreira as he enters this this new pro season. I'm not going to say a word about Joe Neistat because I figure Anthony will talk plenty about Joe Neistat when it comes to what his run was like. Um, but a few people stood out to me as I was looking through there. Uh, Jay Dotson had a heck of a run, and I was really impressed with what yes. I saw from Jay Dotson. I felt like coming into this event, we had seen Jay Dotson trending downward and Jay Dotson won some big games this weekend. Um, ones that I would say to myself, uh, I wouldn't have picked Jay Dotson to win those at all. And in the way he won them was very impressive. It wasn't as if he beat people with like an 8.5 PPR and he was, you know, they had a bad game. He went toe to toe with some of the best, and beat them. He was really impressive for me all weekend long. Another player that was really impressive that continues to be on this super high upward trajectory, even though I would already consider him consider him one of the best in the country, and that's Ryan Smith. The guy over the past few weeks, like I, I tweeted out there, I wrote my preview article on the entire um, national that's on the website that you guys can read, but I didn't have any sections talking about Ryan Smith, and I think I may regret that, right? Because Ryan Smith is throwing absolutely lights out right now. And I believe when I looked at it, I don't know if he had to forfeit his last game because of a, a, a flight or something, but the game went 21-0 to zero and went on to the next round and no stats available. So I'm assuming... Yes, I saw that too. Okay, so I'm assuming Ryan wasn't even available to finish the tournament, and who knows if he had come back and continued to play at a high level, right? Because the guy is just absolutely slinging bags in the hole right now. So um, Bella was obviously very, very impressive to me as well. But Dotson and Smith and Bella, of all the players that didn't win singles or didn't win doubles, those were some that really stood out to me. I missed my hot take. Doug on the live feed said I got it, but I actually went back and checked and he finished one spot shy, Dion Kuza. Um, if he had won, he lost 21-16. If he had scored like five more points, he would have made it into the top 10. But I think he's kind of starting to establish himself as a really top Canadian and interested to see what um, events he goes to this season as far as a PDC player goes to see where, where he can, you know, make a splash. So um, all in all, there definitely some 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 highlights there. Was impressed by some others. Um but, but yeah, Jordan Power for me is kind of the story of the weekend. That's three out of four possible titles that he could have won that he did win over these past two years at Canadian Opens. Awesome. Anthony, share with us your thoughts. Yeah, let's start it off with Bella. Um, 
Man, she was cooking. Uh, if you kind of look at how she played through that bracket, her first five matches, check this out. First match, she gives up three points. Second one gives up a point. Miranda Coy only able to get four points on Bella in the third matchup. Then she gives up a two and then shuts out Maddie McBride for the queen seat. Stop playing, right? And then McBride comes back out of the loser side. Bella's up 13-0 in the final. So at this point, she, she's going to roll this. But then McBride does what McBride does. She's one of the better female players in the league right now, or in the in the world right now, I should say. She goes on her own 13-0 run. So now you're tied at 13s, and this is the first scoop. That was a really good finals match. If we want to see a really good match, go back and watch that one. 18-17 is where it was. And Trey, last week we bought in the buyer sell that Bella would be the one to win this one. She didn't disappoint and really did it in impressive fashion. I'm very, very proud of Bella just because I've been watching her since she was maybe 13 years old. So I'm a little, little vested, just kind of in her journey. So you fast forward two or three years and she keeps leveling up and she keeps improving her game and literally throws bags every single day. You talk about some of those players that grind and throw bags every day. Bella is one of those. So really, really proud of her and uh, really happy for her uh, for accomplishment in this one. But yeah, we'll go on to singles. Joe K uh, takes that one. Um, and th so the bracket A kind of played out the way that I expected it. You got Joe K, Jordan Power, go one, two. You got humans that was in that top five. I kind of expected him to be in the top five. He lost to Powers for the king seat 21 to 20. So that one could have went either way. You could have had humans in that king seat match. Power gets the king seat match. You mentioned Dion Kuza. Brandon Brown said last week, I said, hey, what Canadian player should I follow this week? And he picked the right one. I think Kuza was the, the, the Canadian that made it the furthest in there. Seventh in his bracket. Really good turnout. I mean, he had some decent numbers. Uh, I, I think that he's one of, like he said, one of the better players uh, coming out of, uh, out of Canada. Bracket A, I was a little surprised with Timmy Jonas. Second to last place in his bracket. He lost. His first loss was to Danny Seals. Now, Danny threw well. I wouldn't say it was like unbeatable, but Danny threw well. That's a match I really expect Jonas to win right now where his trending in coming in hot to Natty one. I expect him to pull out a win like that. Second one, Hogue handled him. I mean, Hogue, I mean, Jonas wasn't even there. I mean, it was a tough, tough match for him. I didn't see that match. I only got to see numbers, but it didn't look good for Jonas. Whatever happened in that one. Bracket B was pretty, pretty puzzling for me in singles. You got a Kano. You got a Ferreira. You got a Shermerhorn. They finished ninth through 17th. So it was like, hmm, that's kind of weird. And in a pretty light bracket. And then it's Ben Brown who knocks down another open bracket with a super messy board. This dude is a PPR killer. If you're a guy coming up against him with a, and you're trying to win this with a PPR, expect your PPR to drop two points. I mean, he is... He's pushing people down into the sevens with just how messy he has it. So he's going to take these bag runners out of their comfort zone and really force errors. And I think that's where he's succeeding. Um, but congrats to him on winning a bracket. But yeah, you mentioned uh, talking about Joe K. This dude looks primed for Natty one. My guy's got all the shots. And we, we, we talk about that's a roll bag guy. That's a, that's a guy who runs bag. That's a guy who has a strong airmail. Joe K., he just has a deep bag. He just has every shot, and it's not like he relies on any single one of them. He just succeeds on, on all of them. No one, absolutely no one, outscored him in doubles or singles 
He ran through DPR, highest DPR in the tournament in both sides. And this is where it gets a little bit nuts for me. Typically, when we see a guy rule in DPR, they're not essentially high in PPR. He threw a 10-plus PPR while managing to lead the bracket in DPR. Typically, when you have these high PPRs, you're leaving an open board, right? So players are really matching you. You get 40-plus round games. You have a, a 10-1 against a 9-8 or something like that. Your DPR ends up being 0 0.4, 0 0.5, 0 0.6. This dude had well over a one while managing a 10 PPR, showing the balance of offense and defense. So I think that's where Joe K is so good. He has the ability to score, and he has the ability to prevent scoring just as equally. This dude is nasty, Mish. Just absolutely awesome. Well, we know you feel that way, Anthony. <laughs> yeah. haven't been quiet about it. <laughs> uh, only other thing I, I like that you brought up was was uh, you know Ben Brown as well, a, a guy that just continues to kind of fly under the radar, right? I mean, when we look back at the last open bracket that he won was a was in Winterhaven, and when he made it to the final eight playoff, Alan Rawls ran through everybody except Ben Brown. That game was twenty one to twenty. Rawls barely squeaked by Ben Brown, right? And what's also interesting is Ben Brown is in the same. ACL college class. Ben Brown's from ACL college. That's how he came up through the ranks, right? So he was in the same class as Kobe Costanza. Okay. Anthony, yep. right now, would you take Ben Brown or Kobe Costanza on their pro on their pro future right now? You'd have bet Costanza, on one of them. Costanza all day. You would? Yes. Still. Yes. Wow. I'm surprised. Interesting. I think I may lean Brown. Uh, you know what? It, it, it's probably my bad. I'm just really puzzled by. I don't think we have – maybe I'd go to an Eric Davis. He has just a really different game. It doesn't look pretty, but he's getting the wins. So I, I, I think I'm just more puzzled and I need need more information before I come <laughs> off the Costanza train. But you're you're such a numbers guy, so you just can't get your head around it. Yeah, it, it's it, – it, and, it, and at the end of the day, it's what wins and whatever he's doing – it works. Um, but let me, let me just a few things on doubles too, Mish, if I can. Yeah. Uh, you, you said it earlier, Trey, you kind of led to it. I mean, we keep talking about how hot Devin Harbaugh is. We talking about how hot Kyle Malone is right now. Ryan Smith is coming in hot. Um, you do not want to pull Ryan Smith early in a, in the bracket at national one this weekend. I don't, I think that's a name you don't want to see Are my hot take from last week, right? Ryan Smith and, and uh, Jamie Fincham in doubles. They didn't disappoint. They go through dual coy. Shermer Horn-Neestead, honestly, I didn't see that one coming. Those guys are on my top 10. Shermer Horn got handled by Fincham. He gave up 17 of the 21 points in that match. Um, and then Fincham-Smith uh, continued. They go through Kano Soprenit, and they get to the championship match against Power and Ferreira, and they run them all the way to 17. So 21-17, they're right in that match, and it was really – Power, who was the star in that doubles uh, partnership this weekend. Ferreira right there. Don't let me take anything away from Ferreira, but Power really stood out. I love the quick trigger on Ferreira's airmail. Did you see him this weekend? He literally had to turn to Power and go, dude, you're going to have to call me off today. I am going to shoot it. <laughs> Power's not going to call you off. He wants you to bang the airmail just like he wants to bang the airmail. So I'm sitting there going, oh, you're not going to you're not going to call him off. But uh, I just love they both played a real strategic game. Um, you know, PPR wasn't necessarily the, what they were going for this weekend. They played a real strategic game. Power sixth in PPR. Ferreira 26th 
in PPR, that equals a win. DPR wins and doubles, Mish. Well, we did spend an elaborate amount of time kind of investigating those stats, so I don't think that's totally surprising. <laughs> uh, but we also want to get into news around the league. We had the West Conference, uh, the second West Conference that happened this weekend in singles. Nick Williams took the win in doubles. Ty Morris and Gio Mora. Uh, the North Carolina State Championship singles, Tyler Porthras takes the win and doubles Jamie Graham and Frank Maudlin. We also had the Northwest Conference, the second one in singles. Bryson Bland takes the win and doubles Donald Holt and Chad Rowe. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts about those uh, conferences in the championship? Mish, who won, who won singles again? Say that again. Which one? Who won singles? In with the West? Yes. Nick Williams. Nick Williams. What? I mean, hey, Nick Williams, a legit dude. I love Nick Williams. And his game is – we don't talk about Nick Williams. I, I guess I shouldn't say I didn't see it coming. Uh, the dude is a heck of a player, but I'm so proud of Nick Williams as well. This dude is – this dude's been hustling. Uh, I, yeah. I was pumped to see him at the top. You had both Sassuetas in the field. You had Wooten in there. Uh, you had Ty Lopez. You had all these players in there. Hadley, Zaft, Nick Williams with the winning singles. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Nick Williams, obviously a strong player. I did expect like a Frisch or Hunter Thorne or, or someone like that uh, or, or Adrian to take that win. So it's a really big win for Nick. Only other thing I'll add is uh, North Carolina is not an easy state to win. Oh, my right? gosh. I mean, it is it is absolutely brutal. I mean, Jamie Graham, Eric Davis, Jack Gore, Jake Gore, um, Poitras, yes. I mean, it's, it's not an easy state to win. So for Tyler Poitras to win, I think is saying a lot about how Tyler Poitras is feeling right now. And that's a great win that he's got to feel good about heading into this first national of the season. Two players in that North Carolina state championship were over a 10.0 PPR, Frank Maudlin and Jamie Graham, kind of what you expected Makes me feel a little, little bit of little, feel a little bit better about Jamie Graham. I was starting to get a little bit worried. I'm still a little bit worried that the statistics are a little bit down. the The win percentage is down in comparison to where I want to see a top five player right now. But all in all, um, Poitras, Graham, and Maudlin got to got to view it as a, as a win for them as they head into the the national season. Did you see how that singles ended? No, actually, I didn't. Oh my gosh! Let me tell you this one. This is crazy. Uh, Beergate. It, it got coined Beergate by McCannon. Check this <laughs> out. You've got, um, so Jamie Graham takes an early loss to Maudlin. He has to drop down and run. Goes through Eric Davis, Derek Holland, gets Frank Maudlin on the repeat. Skunks him. 56 bags he threw. He made 51 with an 11-2-9. 21-0. Runs through Maudlin. Get to the finals against Poitras. Graham was still hot. He goes up 17 zip. He's got the champion. He's got the state championship in his hand. And then it gets crazy. So there's this, uh, there's a curtain divider. They're like on an AstroTurf soccer field. There's a curtain divider that's right behind. Okay, you got the board. You got the scoreboard with beers in them. Behind the scoreboard, you got a backdrop, like a kind of a marketing backdrop. Behind that, you got this curtain. A soccer ball comes in hot from behind the curtain. <laughs> Curtain hits the backdrop. Backdrop hits the scoreboard. Beer's everywhere. There's beer everywhere, all over the board. Everyone's, they had to like call a timeout. Zamboni comes in. They're like drying stuff up, right? <laughs> Trying to fix the board. That was it for Jamie Graham. That 
ended everything for him. Um, Poitras wow. kind of squeezed out. He kind of he got like a one and then a three and then like a one. It was like, I don't know, 17-5, 17-6 maybe. Graham gives up an eight, gives up a six, done. Game over. Poitras wins it. I'm sitting there like, what just happened? What just happened? 21-18 was the final score. After being oh awesome. my Sorry. goodness, cornhole and soccer don't mix. Good lord, <laughs> jeez. I'm just sitting there staring at my phone, going, "What just happened there? It just happened so quick." And Gra- so Graham just crazy. couldn't. It was like getting away from you. Could see him losing, and he was like, "He just couldn't. He just couldn't get it." And it was, it was just. Oh, that's so rough. Wow. Because he was in their rhythm, and then boom, ripped out from underneath <laughs> you. Jeez. Uh, we also had some teams transactions. The Missouri Mays add Chelsea Hubbard and drop Ralph J- James. Is that how you say that name? And then the Carolina Coasters add Ryan Bishop and drop Drew Brown. Uh, so some teams transactions. Any thoughts there? Yeah, uh, I think both players were essentially dropped just because of their – they can't commit all season and want someone more steady. I, I think the win here is Chelsea Hubbard. Mm-hmm. Um, if – it if you go through 16 teams of 16 players each, and at the end, I'm going to tell you, there's a player who went toe-to-toe with Cheyenne Bubenheim on a broadcast last year, has played in at least four broadcast matches on television, and has shown that she can win at a high level, or they didn't even specify male or female, they can win at a high level, and you're going to be able to pick him up as an undrafted free agent? That feels like a sneaky win to me. I mean, that's – no. Am I saying you're going to slot Chelsea Hubbard in at your four spot? No, you don't need to do that. But that's that's a pretty good pickup when it comes to depth to have at this point in the season. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. All right, let's move into overreaction Monday. I'll read you some uh, statements here. You let me know if this is an overreaction or not. The first one, Joe Neistead will take first at a national event this year. Trey. Yeah, that, that, that's an overreaction. Uh, sorry, Whoa. Anthony. That's, uh, look, I, I like Joe Kay. I think he's, I think he's a really good player. Um, he showed it this weekend. He can play at that high level, but um, – I don't think he's going to do it in doubles. I didn't love what I saw from his partner this weekend, right? That worries me. So then he's got to do it in singles. I just, that's a lot for me to lay on a line here to have him win it, win the whole thing. I'm going to say uh, overreaction. Anthony. Yeah. It's so easy to jump to not an overreaction coming off a weekend like that, but we have to look at the big picture. Harbaugh, Malone, Richards, guy, Hamilton was our hot one for a while. He's, yeah, it would be silly to 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 say that uh, was not an overreaction. That's definitely an overreaction. But could Joe K come out and and win a bracket? Absolutely, that wouldn't be surprise me. He has that level of skill to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say an overreaction to just say that he's going to win a national. All right. How about no non-American players will win at the national level this year? Depends what win means, right? I I I don't think. I don't think there's international talent within the PDC program to say win something at the pro level. Um, at the PDC level, yeah, sure. There, you know, PDC singles, PDC doubles. Obvi- I definitely think um, that. So I, I don't know how much of it's an over. I mean, I'll say it's a 
not an overreaction. A lot of negatives there. Um, not an overreaction. <laughs> no, to non, no, no, non, non American <laughs> player. So, um, but I would, yeah, I, I think I'd say overall, I think Canada's getting there. I like what I saw from Dion Cusa, but we got a little bit more time before we, before we see them competing at that level. All right, Anthony. Yeah, I'm just going to simplify it. An American is going to win nationals. All Americans are going to win opens and the Americans are going to win PDC. Um, I think you said it right. And Ben, Ben Brown or uh, Brandon Brown said it last week. Canadian, the Can- Canadian players are coming up. They're improving their game. They're getting better. They're just not quite there yet. Um, but I, I look forward to, to that challenge uh, against the Americans. Cause like we say, you got to always play the best to be the best. America needs to be challenged uh, at the, at the group level, just like we do at the individual level. Agreed. Uh, Isabella Soprena is the second greatest female player in the world. Uh, <laughs> so I'll say this much. Before I say that's an overreaction, which I will say in a second, she, there is nobody besides, and I would even say this is debatable, there is nobody that has dominated women's singles at opens like Isabella Soprenin. And that you could even maybe throw in Cheyenne into that conversation. Bella has shown time and time again, that is her wheelhouse and that's where she wins. Cheyenne wins the bigger events. Cheyenne wins the world championships, the all that. But Bella loves these open singles. It's not too much of an overreaction. She is close, but I still do think I'm not ready to give her number two just yet with the way that some of these other players are throwing, like a Rosie Streaker, like a Yeti Irwan, Sarah Cassidy. There's a few up there right now that are that are fighting for that number two, but Bella is in that conversation. Anthony? Yeah, if we look to last year, so Bella fell in like right around six, I believe, uh, in women's. Certainly improved, but I cannot just ignore the fact that Sarah Cassidy has consistently been the second best female player in the world year after year. You can't deny that consistency. She qualifies on her own through singles in the men's, in the men's and women's field. You got to respect that. She beats up. No guy wants to run into Sarah Cassidy in a bracket. Um, Do I think that Bella is trending towards that? Absolutely. Do I think Cameron Belden is trending towards that? Yes. Um, But yeah, I can't do that. Overreaction. All right. Mark Richards will be the title champ by the end of the 2023 season, 2023 season, which means he would have to duplicate what he did last season to be number one and have no one else win anything. Yeah, <laughs> he would. He's seven titles behind yeah. yep. seven. So let's say he wins a national in singles and in doubles. There's two. We have six opens left. Let's say he wins maybe a singles and a doubles there. That's four. Let's say he wins a shoot two shootouts, a singles and a doubles again. I'm still just at six. And that means Jamie Graham and Matt Guy have to win zero. Zero. <laughs> I think it's I think that's not likely. Um so I, I would say, yeah, no overreaction to say that. He's definitely trending upward. I think legitimately in two seasons, if he continues this up, he'll be ready to pass. Mm-hmm. Anthony? It's not going to happen, but let me let me throw something at you that's a little bit more realistic. Trey Birchfield's in third with 14. Mark Richards with 11. 
Do you think Mark Richards can catch Birchfield this year? You've got doubles, singles, open shootouts. Do you think he can make up that three gap on Birchfield? Become number three. Buy or sell. Become number three. I think he does it. I'll say no. Okay. Oh. And part of the reason I say no is that I think that Rawls and Birchfield will win the same amount, if not more, in doubles than Lopez and Richards, which means I think Richards has to do – if he's going to – you're saying pass or tie? Because there's, I think there's – that's true. Yeah, you got to get four. You got to get that one more. So if you're saying pass, that's four. Four. Plus, I'm saying there's a likelihood that they win one more title than in doubles. So that means five more than Trey Birchfield. That's that's tough for me to do. So I'm actually going to say no. I'll say that that's not going to happen. Uh, All right, last one. We will have at least one pro doubles team breakup after the first national. I can't tell if we're doing an overreaction Monday or buy or sell, but buy, not overreaction. We will have, we will absolutely have people break up after the first national, hundred percent, because I, I think people are at this point now. Anthony brings this up all the time, where people are these full time players, these full time like cornhole players that are doing this for a living, and if they see somebody not taking it seriously or not yep. executing at a high level. I think it's going to be more and more of a, of a business where people, and this is your opportunity. Remember you can still drop one. So if you're going to switch partners, mm -hmm. you got to do it now, right? Or after this first national, because if you wait for two of them, all of a sudden you're not, you cannot possibly max out points with your pro doubles partner. So I think people will be for that reason, be quick to the trigger mm -hmm as it comes out of this first event. Makes sense. Anthony? Yeah, it's it's obvious. I think where, where it would be interesting to say, do we get a top 20 or 25 doubles team to switch, like we saw with a Baldwin-Bubenheim? Do mm -hmm. we see that again? I think that's where it gets really like, ooh, let's think about that. But we'll certainly have some mixing up after the first national, but will it be a top 20 team is where it'll get interesting. Very true. Speaking of that first national, let's get into who we're watching for the event coming up in Corpus Christi. Trey, who is on your radar? Yeah, it, I started to think through this a little bit more like on the double side of like all these people that we're watching. And for the first time, I don't feel like two of the people that we're watching that are saying are really hot are on the same team. And so let's think about that for a second. Who are the hottest players that we've been talking about coming into this come, right now? Uh, let's start with Devin Harbaugh. Right. Who's his doubles partner? Yeah. Derek King, right? Yeah. I don't know what we're going to get out of Derek King, right? <clears throat> Kyle Malone. Who's on the other end? Jimmy Humans. Is Jimmy Humans a great player? Yes. But what level of great player this season? We don't. I still think we're kind of up in the air about that. We haven't seen incredible consistency from Jimmy Human so far. So we're kind of figuring out where are they going to end up as a doubles team, right? Yep. Even look at, you know, Ryan Smith. Obviously, him and Ryan Wiedenfeld. Ryan Wiedenfeld has had incredible success in doubles with Ryan Smith. But Wiedenfeld hasn't been 
the winner of anything yet so far, and he came in as a very high-profile rookie. I think you could do this for a number of players. Mark Richards, we're talking about can Mark Richards do the same thing? He's playing with Philip Lopez again, right? Uh, I think there's there's no teaming up, and I think all saying that, like part of me is convinced that that means Jamie Graham and Matt Guy still got to be the major favorites here, right? Because in in different ways, we've been talking about both of them as as ones that are motivated, ready to go, been practicing, been playing well, whatever it may be. Besides a soccer ball knocking something over, they've been dominating dominating play over the past <laughs> couple of weeks, right? So it's like all that into consideration. It there's I don't know. There's different ways and the, the different perspectives to look at it, but that's what my biggest eye on is on this week is is. Who is the partner that steps up? Who is it? Derek King, right? Is it Ryan Wiedenfeld? Is it Jimmy Humans? Is it, you know, Jeremy Shermerhorn? We talk about, you know, him and Joe Kay. Is it who, who are all these people that come together, right? Um, that can step up and, and play at a high level. Um, in addition to that, I, I'm looking at the world champs. Everybody gets the hangover. How big is the hangover? Have they already had their hangover? Is that the good news? Did we have this entire long offseason for them to turn around and be back into form? They've gotten rid of the hangover already, right? So um, all eyes will be on the world champs. But um, and, and, and still going with the partner theme, like Eric Zockline. Who is Eric Zockline this year? Is he a yep. dominant player? Gavin Cano, right? Can he play better than Fisher Hamilton at times for them to de deliver at a really high level? Nate Voyer, he was just gifted, you know, a partnership with Josh Holland. Justin Rule was just given Derek Holland. Can Justin Rule play at a high level? Unlike any other year, this has felt like to me, this is an opportunity to be the year of the partner. The Which B. partner is going to step player. up? <laughs> which which partner is going to step up and deliver and get a win for their team at one of these national events? Yeah, very good points. What do you think, Anthony? What are you looking at? Love that analysis, Trey. That is that is uh, that really got me thinking. That that's that's well said. Um, I'm kind of looking more. What are we watching in doubles? Mine's more down in that like. Who can break in as a top twenty-five team? You know, who, who, what do the teams look like from? from from rank 20 to 40. So that's kind of where I'm really looking. Like like an Ethan Walker and a David Moores. You've got a David Moores who's an OG in this game, high IQ. He goes and picks up a young stud right now and Ethan Walker. How can those two work together and can they break into top 25? Jonas and Anderson on the comeback. Mainly Anderson on the comeback, Jonas on the up. You know, what do they look like together? Is is Anderson now the B player and Jonas succeeds as the a player can they break into top 20 uh sutton and frazier another one i'm looking at again an og he's been around this dude has a knack to win from sutton with a red hot frazier can they maybe even break into the teens can those guys really show up this year lucas jr and dingus um have always been around always been kind of like right outside broadcasts i'd like to see a lucas jr and a dingus make a broadcast win a bracket can they do it this year the ladies, downer and huge back. Um, how do they compete with the boys, with, with the men? Um, we, we talk about them probably going to have success in the women's division. Bring in a game that only Soprenant is doing. How do they look together as an all-female team in the open field? Chamberlain and Burton might surprise all of us. 
come out and finish 11th, 12th, something crazy like that. I'm not worried necessarily about them breaking into top 25. Can they break into the low teens, you know, and shock, shock a lot of people. Dylan Turpin came out last year, really blew all of us away in singles and doubles. Now pulling a Caleb Franklin this year. I think a, a and they finished, I think he finished 12th, maybe 13th with Ricky G last year. Can he break into the top 10 with a Franklin? I mean, that would be crazy to think, but I think that they have the skill level to do it. Rawls and Kingsbury, Allen Rawls and Chris Kingsbury, do they blow us all the way with a top 10 finish? They have the skill level to do it. And then I have that cluster of uh, uh, Cali, the West Coast, Arizona, everything on the West. Zaft Hadley, Gonzalez Gilbert, the Sasueta brothers. You got Lopez and, and uh, Cherney. You got Labrador Williams, who just won the West Coast. Parent Valdivia, are they still the, the are they still carrying the muscle for the West in doubles, or do they fall? And you got like a Thielen and a Dean Norton. Who is the best doubles team out of the West? I got a really close eye on that group of guys too. J just curious where the strength is going to come out of the West. But yeah, that's kind of my look. Mish is more, you know, 15 to 40, maybe 20 to 40. What's going to happen in there and who can break out as an elite level partnership? Yeah, I think that's yeah. kind of my thought too. Is I'm looking at like who who's going to win a bracket that is going to be shocking. And yes. You're like, wow, I can't believe they took down that bracket. Yeah. The Ryans. Yeah, yeah the David Ryan. Ryan and Alec Ryan. They could come out and win a bracket. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think that there's a lot of hidden teams in there and I just can't wait to get into Corpus Christi and see how the brackets shake out. When do we get a peek at those brackets? It comes out of rounders, right, Trey? It's like right before. Yeah, right? yeah. well, it'll be like the rounders takes place Thursday night. So they'll be posted late, late Thursday night. And so you'll have the morning before pro singles begins to kind of look through them and everything like that. So it'll, um, you know, that'll be, that'll be the interesting um timing in there see how people see if anybody's scouting in between that time I, I do think it's funny though that you identify the 20 to 40 range to me i think the absolute sweet spot of where the things are this year is 10 10 to 15 yeah that's where i think the the most chaos is going to happen because totally agree. i agree with that actually yeah Unlike all the other years, I, I, it was annoying for me to put power rankings together. Mm -hmm. Annoying. Like <laughs> I had, I had 15 people in my top 10 and that right. doesn't make, that doesn't math. Right. So I, I kept looking for teams and it was like, I wrote them all down and I was like, you got to scratch somebody off. Right. And it hurt when I had to scratch that one team off. Right. I, I, I just think there's going to be so much back and forth between those 10 and 15. And if I look at, you know, last season and who finished 10 through 15, you learn a lot about these different teams in that. And, and you say to yourself, wow, those were some teams that had incredible seasons and they finished where they did. If we look at it, 10th, Ryan Windsor and Isidro Herrera. <laughs> 11, Turpin and Gonzalez. 12, Grindersleeve and Batson. Yes. Guy Davis, Dennis and Hayden, Lucas and Dingus. Players that we have said in the past have had top 10 finishes. That's the difference, right? Like Kind of like what you said, Mish. Your top 10 is generally filled with those players or those teams that you know, on multiple occasions had incredible finishes and made it towards the end. But they had those two 
one-off instances where they just absolutely tanked. And that's what's really holding them down. And so those you're going to get some huge names in that 10 through 15. And that battle to finish the top 10 team, I think, is going to be an absolute thriller to watch as the season goes on. Totally agree. All right, we've got some uh, lines now we can talk about. So this is our board bet section of the show. So the first one we're looking at is Devin Harbaugh plus 950. One thing that I find interesting about Devin Harbaugh plus 950, he opened at plus 1500. That means when he <laughs> opened at 1500, everybody went, give me yep. Devin Harbaugh. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so that line has flown down to sub plus 1000 at plus 950. I think we're getting pretty good as far as what he's valued at now. I wouldn't take him much worse than plus 950. I think plus 1,000 is about where I like him. Yep. If you got him early, I think you got to win. If you're getting him now, it's about on par, so you're just taking who you like. The only thing that is keeping me to continue to be a little bit skeptical about Harbaugh is just like, if you're going to lay all your money on Harbaugh, you have to understand the fact he's never won a national singles event before, right? And there's a lot that goes into doing that beyond just being hot on one particular day. You have to be hot on one day, you have to be hot on a broadcast, and you have yeah. to be hot on a second day, right? All of those things have to happen. So that's just something I want to keep in mind. I think plus 50 about where I like it. Anthony, what do you think? Yeah, I'd agree with those comments. With Without having a national under our belt, Trey, what, where does that information come to set the line originally before we start the season? Uh, it's what the odd makers set, right? I mean, they, they're they pulling together information, statistics, past finishes, uh, historical, you know, performance. I mean, it's, it's, it's no different than an odds maker setting a line uh, for, for the Denver Broncos versus the San Francisco 49ers. It's, pulling together and they're putting a combination of, of um, you know, historical data and statistics as well as pure gut feel sometimes. So are, 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 is that data available? Like what's been happening over the past three or four months in open play and okay, that becomes available. Okay. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they get all of the information and how much they use is, is specific to the odds maker, right? But then the odds like that change, generally when you see odds change like that, it means a lot of people are laying money on that particular person. Or if there was a big event that swayed some, if somebody came out and, you know, won a huge event prior, you know, after these odds had been out there that really changed perception, then they may move. But generally when you see a line move like that, it's because people are laying money on that end. Because, you know, a lot of times they're not laying odds based on truly who they are when they're trying to see you know, Vegas is setting the line based on where they think people are going to bet, right? They're going to set it to a point where some people are going to bet other ways. Some people are going to bet on them. So there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, I like Harbaugh at 950. I, I think I would even buy him with a little bit lower. Can he win the, can he win the whole thing? You got to ask yourself that question. Yes, he can win the whole thing. But I think the second one is really where it gets you to think, Mish, I'm going to jump to the next one. You've got Kyle Malone at 1500 and you got Devin Harbaugh at 950. I mean, you compare those two. I think those guys can equally win this thing. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go put my money on Malone at 1500, where where Harbaugh's sitting at 950. I really like that next bet better, just because of the bigger payout, Mish. Yeah, I see your point. Like we've been talking about those two names sort of in the same manner, 
So if one has the the higher odd, I mean, seems obvious. But at the same time, I've picked Harbaugh to win many things. And I pick Malone sometimes, but I pick Harbaugh more. So I don't know. Well, they both opened at plus 1,500. Yeah. They both they both opened there. And it was, okay. I'm assuming, the number of bets that came in on on uh on Devin Harbaugh that drove everything that that drove his number down. Interesting. So. Well, how so do you Mish, feel about Malone? You, you, Mish, you said you've you've bet on Harbaugh a lot of times. How many times were you wrong? I don't know. The <laughs> 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 point is is you were wrong more often than you were right, right? I don't know, Anthony. So it makes that 950 bet a little less attractive because uh, the field Fine. is strong. You're just too analytical. <laughs> yeah, I, to answer your question, Misha, I love Malone at 1,500. I think 1,500 is a great number for Malone. I think you're getting a lot of keyword value there. Um, and I think, I, I, you know, he's got to go and win it, right? You're looking at someone that you – it depends on what you're going for here. Like Malone, I think it was in that, that second tier of I'm still getting a large – I'm thinking, who am I definitely think is going to win? Am I laying on Jamie Graham, Mark Richards, Matt Guy, Alex Rawls? My second tier is someone that's in that that next group that I think can sneak up and win, but I'm going to get a lot higher payout. And then your third tier is my one in a hundred shot. Yeah, someone goes on bet. a Matthew Cree killer Cinderella run last season. What? Who, who do I get? Right. Those are the three tiers I look at when I'm when I'm sifting through who who would I want to take. So, um, yeah. That's, so the next that's, ones, in, the next ones in that other category, you got Mark Richards plus four hundred. It's you know he has the the track record, but four hundred. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I believe his line already moved down to three fifty. So he may be down to three fifty now. I think if I'm looking for that tier one, I'm going to pass on Richards and I'll go more towards Rawls just because he's a little bit lower. And right now I feel like they're identical. So any additional value that I can get, any additional numbers that I can get from that top tier, I'll take. So I'll pass on Richards. Anthony. I'm having a hard time betting on anything four to one, just because the, the talent is so deep. You know, Richard runs into a Burton Jr. in the second round, loses that one, knocks him down, and then he's battling through the loser's bracket. Four to one, I, I, it's just tough. I don't think anyone's that dominant. I'm just saying I don't think anyone's so dominant where you're only going to get four to one when you can grab a Harbaugh or a Malone at three times or four times the amount of money. So okay. that, that's it's tough for me to go four to one with just how deep the field is. That makes sense. Last one will go doubles. Jay Rubin, Jordan Power, plus 800. Yeah, and I think if you look at the rank, this is like fifth or sixth, or or maybe it's fourth. I mean, there's some teams ahead of them, and for that reason, I like it because mm -hmm. you're getting the doubles world champion. I know why this line is not as high as the other ones. It's because they simply haven't performed as well in the offseason as the other guys. But right. if I'm getting a world champion at that rate, I think it's actually pretty good. I like it. Anthony? I do too. I agree. I'll take it for those exact reasons. Yeah, I think that's a good one as well. All right. It's hot take time. Trey, what do you got? Yeah, it's kind of a hot take, kind of going off of board bets a little bit. I think the sneakiest value, I don't know how you want to, I don't know if this phrasing is a hot take. I think the sneakiest value is a combination of players where you add if you added their singles performances together, I think in the open series, they'd be a top five team. 
right? But doubles, they haven't quite figured it out yet, right? And you can get them at plus 5,000. Yeah. I'm going to say your best value for board bets and a team you need to watch out for, Alan Rawls and Chris Kingsbury. Mm. Watch out for them to make a deep run at the kickoff battle. All right. I like it. Anthony, what's your... I do like it. And we skipped over. We had a line that was what was our favorite line on the board. That was my favorite line on the board. Rawls, Kingsbury <laughs> at 50 to 1. Uh, we skipped oh, over. So, so me and Trey were right. on the same path. But I went to a different hot take. Uh, we're going hot. Hot take. Burton Jr. and Chamberlain win a bracket at Natty 1. Stop playing. Wow. That yes. is scolding hot. Yes. Come on. Scolding hot. Watch it. I'm going to back up that sort of type of hot take and uh, carry off of the weekend and say Joe K does win a bracket. That is also scolding hot, I think. <laughs> continues, I think it, continues it on. You could do it, Joe. We have faith in you. All right. That's all we got time for. Lots of cornhole to watch this weekend on CBS <laughs> Sports and ESPN2. Um, all the information is on the ACL page and on the Facebook page. So definitely get your uh, TVs ready to watch and we'll see you all then.